is the Not Ugly Pod, where we talk beauty that's odd. Look, I'm not a rapper, but you get the vibe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Not Ugly Podcast. I am your host, Sarita Fontanesi, pronouns she, her. And when I say I am truly ecstatic for this week's guest, I mean it with my whole chest and my whole heart. Um, We are joined today by one of my absolute favorite humans in the whole entire world, Um, the one, the only... Caitlin Grania, what's about? Hello. Hello. Welcome. Thank you Uh, for having me. (laughs) Kate and I met at a fair, not a fair. That's not what it was called. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) At an event, we were both vendors. Uh, We were both told that we were going to be the only tarot readers at said event. And then we were both there. Fully had this moment of like, (laughs) look. You do your thing. I'll do my thing. I'm not really pressed. And that's how we became friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we could be mortal enemies in this moment, but instead the organizer is now our mortal yes. enemy. <laughs> yes. And that's how we will change the world, everyone. we got to align to the real enemy. <laughs> okay. Kate, would you like to tell the people a little bit about yourself and your work? Sure. Um, my name is Caitlin, they, them, and I am an espiritista. I go by the mother of mystics <laughs> and I am a transmedium and transcendent teacher. And my focus is in developing spiritual practitioners, well, developing modern mystics into authentic, empowered, ancestrally aligned spiritual practitioners. Caitlin is also responsible for two small humans. Uh, to all the parents out there, I don't know how you're doing it. God bless you. Uh, <laughs> flying by the seat of our pants every oh. second of the day. <laughs> you're making it work, okay? Kate, so to get things started, I like to ask everyone, if you had a dumb amount of money, so we're talking no bills, no worries, we've got nothing but cash to burn, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what beauty product or beauty treatment are you getting? Okay, so I've been thinking about this. (laughs) Yes. yes, I've been contemplating it since we first decided, oops, to do this. And, um, I think that what I would want is somebody to gua sha my face for me, like on a weekly, if not daily basis. I want someone else who knows what they're doing to do it and to come to my house or maybe invite me into their like incense scented oasis and like oil my face and gua sha it for me every single day. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. We've got money to burn. Why not? We've got money to burn. Why not? Absolutely. That sounds truly heavenly. Right? Like, like a some... cold face massage? Yeah. <laughs> With just like a, a crystal, a slab of a crystal. Just yes. for, for the folks uh, who might not know what this treatment is that we're talking about. Um, as Kate says, it's a, it's a way to purify your face and also like just keep those face muscles nice and taut. Um, and, uh, whether you do it yourself or you go to someone that does it, they take what looks to me, it literally looks like one of those like thick, short combs. Kind of like a giant guitar pick. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. That's a good way to describe it too. Um, and it's usually like some like crystal or metal, some element Mm -hmm. and they just scrape across your face, but it feels very soft and like gentle and it's supposed to make your face beautiful forever. Mm-hmm. I've been, I like try to do it every morning because I wake up with very watery, puffy eyes because I don't get a lot of sleep because I have too small human. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That seems right. And honestly, like it's just so comforting and it's so cold. That's my favorite part. But I'm certain I've watched many YouTubes and TikToks about how to do it, but my brain is just like, I'm not going to retain that. <laughs> and you know what? You're just going to do what feels right sometimes, okay? This feels nice. So I'm going to keep doing it, which exactly. <laughs> as two people who have both talked about uh, addictive personalities <laughs> and navigating addiction. <laughs> This feels nice. I'm going to keep doing it. This is a nice thing to be addicted 
<laughs> there was a TikTok that was like, you know, I used to do a lot of cocaine and now I drink hot chocolate every afternoon. And like it deeply resonated in my soul because like there absolutely are and have been worse things that I've been pretty committed to doing regularly. And if the worst <laughs> that I'm doing right now is just haphazardly rubbing crystals on my face. <laughs> I'll take it. We're doing all right. (laughs) (laughs) Better like rubbing crystals on my face than snorting them at my nose. So exactly, exactly. Like (laughs) this feels good. (laughs) I'm hurting no one. (laughs) I'm hurting no one and nothing. And so I'm going to keep at it. It's like whenever I use my like jade roller on my face, I'm like, I don't know if this is doing a single thing, but I don't care because it feels nice. And I get to just lay in bed zoned out just stimming like the neurodivergent just rubbing this little crystal roller on my face and I love it (laughs) I love it you know what else I like that gives me that good like stim energy is um oil cleansing like a cleansing balm and I I'll like lay in bed and do it and then look at my hands and see all of the like blackheads and gunk that the oil is pulling out of my face it's like this was all on my face but now it's not now it's on my hands (laughs) (laughs) and then I'm gonna wash and I'm gonna and I'm done if you're (laughs) looking for something to replace less than positive habits (laughs) may I recommend taking care of your face Absolutely. 10 out of 10 recommend. 10 out of 10 recommend. For like a long time, I thought I wanted to like Botox this line in the middle of my forehead. But the gua sha, I buy it one time. And it like, it fucking works. This just seems like a better choice for me <laughs> as someone with an addictive personality. <laughs> You're in LA. I used to live in LA. We have seen some faces that... um maybe didn't stop at the point that they should have, Uh, you know? And we are a pro-augmentation household here at the Not Ugly podcast. As long as you are doing it from a place of, I enjoy this and I want this, not this is what will make me happier or a better person. We are pro-augmentation. But we also, with that, means we are pro-within-reason, right? (laughs) Because inevitably, if you just keep going, right? Like if it's, like I did Botox before I got married, which I got married when I was 29. I was like, I'm only 32 now also. So it's not like I have lived enough life to be like, oh my God, I have to get Botox. Like I need it. And I don't think anyone at any age needs it, but you know what I mean? Anyways, I got it just before I got married for two reasons. One, I wanted my skin to look poreless. And I was like, this is the one and only time that I'm really going to invest or one of the few times that I'm truly going to invest in how I look. And and that's part of how I want to feel on the occasion because I wanted to feel amplified and special. And two, I sweat so much and like not like I'm not being like oh my god like I get so like all I have to do is just slowly start to move and my body's like so should we dump water on you (laughs) and I was like there is no way in hell I am getting married with this white ass dress Mm -hmm. and full face of makeup to have it running down my face absolutely not and so I told the girl that did my Botox we did baby Botox as they call it so it was like half the number of units that they would typically use because I was like I don't want an extreme look I just want a smooth skin no sweat and so she did emphasis on my hairline what I learned was if they do like the top of your forehead they have to do above your eyebrow so it balances out because your forehead is sort of like one big muscle that pulls apart from itself so you can't because I was like, can we just do some at my hairline so I don't sweat? And then like, you know, maybe a little, a little zhuzh. And yeah. she was like, no, because you'll, she was like, the reason why people end up looking startled or like emotionless is because there wasn't an, an, an appropriate balance. Like um. homegirl was like, I'm going to walk you through how this, <laughs> why I felt really good about it. So yeah, we did, we did some of my forehead. We did a little between like my eyebrows and my nose, like around yeah. my like, nose. Um, and then she did just a teeny bit around my eyes. Yes. And, and like, that was it. And that Perfect. was 
done. Um, and the photos were fucking gorgeous. Thank you. Yes. Me, a Leo with a yeah. Leo stellium. A marrying someone with a Leo stellium. We, yeah. Michael and I both have our Venus and Leo. The way the two of us preened before our wedding. Just two little birds preening. <laughs> uh, we were like, today's the day to do it, babe. Uh, right. If not that day, when? If not now, when? Um, I think the other time will be if I am blessed to have children to be able to deliver my children. Because when I had my fibroids removed, um, it was an open myomectomy. So it was a more invasive surgery. Because of that, I am not allowed to labor if I get pregnant. I have to have a C-section. So it'll be a planned C-section. And I fully intend to go in there, face beat, hair done, nails done. Because when's the next time I'm going to be able to do it after the baby's born? Absolutely. Well, and if it's on schedule, like it's all on the calendar. (laughs) Like, I have to have a scheduled C-section. There's no unplanned business happening. I'm like, we're going to make the appointments. (laughs) I don't see why not. I'm sure I'll need to relax. (laughs) (laughs) Like, my first birth photos in the hospital, I, like, don't like looking at them because I am just so trash. There's, like, mascara running down my face. My hair is, like, in a bird's nest. I'm, like, noticeably happy, but I would have liked to have looked, I don't know, glowing. You brought a human earth side after creating them inside you. So like, to be clear, you're entitled to look however the fuck you want, right? But I was like, if I have a say in how this is going to happen, and let's not pretend like C-sections are like these lighthearted <laughs> procedures. No, it's a major procedure. They literally take your, sorry, if you are a medical squeamish person, squeamish. for 15 seconds. They take your organs out and like put All them the way out. The, take the baby out and then shove them back in you. And so like, like, you have to pray that nothing extra goes back in with them. <laughs> Right. So like your girl's going to be feeling busted. I don't, and if I don't have to look busted, I might as well take the opportunity. It does. Because when you look good, you feel good. good. (laughs) That's just science, baby. Okay. It is. It's, I'm sure it's math too. (laughs) It's definitely all the subjects I was not good at. Thinking about this, you know, when you look good, you feel good. Um, What does beauty mean to you? For me, Humans love to adorn things, right? We love to decorate things, whether it's painting patterns around our homes or putting little ornaments on trees. And I think beauty is very much that same energy, but with our bodies. And you don't necessarily have to decorate yourself with makeup or things like that, unless you're into that, but it's enjoying your outward appearance, enjoying the vessel that the spirits blessed you with and, you know, doing whatever you want to do to that vessel to help you continue to enjoy it and celebrate it. That's so dreamy and lovely. <laughs> um, but it also, this is probably because I watched too much Real Housewives. <laughs> makes me think of um, the Salt Lake cast in particular because there's a lot of current and former Mormons on it. And I can't remember her name, but the one who owns the like the like Botox. Heather and, Gray. Like, <laughs> thank you, Heather Gray. Something that she has talked about a lot though, on especially in the first season as we're getting to know them, is part of the Mormon religion and faith is this idea of working to keep your vessel as stunning as possible. Like that is part, which there's a lot as, to unpack. As white as possible. <laughs> You're not wrong. There's a lot buried underneath there. But I do what I, the teeny bit of it that can be taken that is nice and that I think does show up in spiritual practices in general is this idea that like our human meat suits are actually more than meat suits and are these, these vessels that contain contains multitudes that have so much life in them and also their their physical expression how each one of us shows up in physical form in this lifetime in this world is inherently beautiful yeah 
inherently something to be admired and loved and like you said, adored. And part of our life mission as humans is to do what we can to the best that we can to honor that. And that means something different for every single person. Yes. And even even folks who might be making similar choices, it's going to express itself differently. It's going to come about differently. And again, that's where we get to love on the individualness of each one of us. Yes. Like our vessels are inherently beautiful. And I think that part of human nature is to want to amplify the beauty of the world we see around us. We feel that through the Empress card, this desire to adorn things that we think are beautiful. And it only makes sense that we want to express what exists within our vessels by the way that we decorate the outside of our vessels. And like, I grew up Catholic, which we've talked about, um, And something that's a part of the lore is that even the angels envied humankind because we were so beautiful. And when humans were created, they were naked and they were envious of these naked vessels that were so beautiful. And when I think about that, it makes me super, I don't know, it just feels really fucking special to be on this particular floating rock, like spinning through space. (laughs) We both like have tattoos and are into makeup and like like are very much into like style and aesthetic and Mm -hmm. we also are both people who grew up in really religious homes that Mm -hmm. had pretty intense like religious dogma around them Mm -hmm. and like I know you went to Catholic school so like you were in uniforms yes Uh, (laughs) I went to public school in rural New Mexico. So, you know, I can only get away with so much. Um, (laughs) But I do, I do love that as adults, part of establishing ourselves as an adult and finding that autonomy and, and getting to know our vessel as we understand it. What from the inside do I want to show on the outside, whether that's in a tattoo, how I do my makeup, how I dress today in this moment, in this time, I definitely... Now, when I sit down at my vanity and I'm doing my makeup, I'm like, okay, well, what am I wearing and where am I going? And what's the like vibe that I want to project? And then I look at my palettes, my like eyeshadow palettes, and I look at like my makeup and I'm like, okay, so what are we going to use today to convey a message? Yes. And that's like, that's glamour magic to like use the tools that we have to adorn ourselves, to channel a specific energy, whether it's an energy that we feel exists within ourselves or an energy that maybe we don't feel connected enough to, but would really like to embody for a particular moment. Um, Something I was thinking about earlier today was when earlier this year, I had to have like a conversation with my youngest best friend's mom about something. And (laughs) that morning I sat down, I got up really fucking early because it was a school day and I sat and I put like wings on my eyes and I put my biggest hoops on and I put a whole outfit on and my combat boots and it was like my armor for the day to go into this conversation feeling confident because I knew, I knew I was right. (laughs) Listen, and I'm not about to back down. I'm not about to back down. Do you see how sharp these wings are? (laughs) Listen, and for folks who don't know who Caitlin is and you should go follow them on social media, but Caitlin, you were pushing five, two, five, three. I'm five zero, but my license says I'm five one. <laughs> right. And there's a lot of hair and there's a lot of hair. <laughs> beautiful curly hair. But like, right, like I want to make sure that I am communicating that I am a power and a force, yes. regardless of stature, regardless of position <laughs> in society. But like I say that like somewhat seriously, right? Of like, like I am not going to be intimidated. Because as you said, I know that I am right. And I know that what I'm doing is right. What I need to do, what has to happen is right. You know, you're there for your youngest. And so, you know what makes me feel like I am in charge? Big hoops, a sharp wing, combat, right? Like these are things that are going to help me emulate that. Words, energy. (laughs) Oh, I went through like a cycle yeah, uh, like mid late 2020 into like mid 2021, mm-hmm. being haunted by the two of swords and the queen of swords, <laughs> like rotate with each other. 
And what a I, pair. What a duo. <laughs> um, if you're not a tarot person, the two of swords, uh, the short of it is it's a person sitting with a blindfold on, their arms are crossed, and they have a sword in each hand. And the idea is you feel helpless or feel like you don't know what to do. But if you just took the blindfold off, you would see that you have two swords in your hands that you could uncross and use to deal with whatever is in front of you. Mm-hmm. So it's a reminder to like get out of your own way. <laughs> and then yes. the swords, uh, you know, the queen is sitting on the throne. She's got this very stoic look on her face and she's holding up the sword with like, just like this look of like, I wish a bitch would. <laughs> and that's very much the energy of the queen of swords of like, I know that I have a sword and I know how to use it and I will use it. Mm-hmm. I will through the bullshit, I will cut through the garbage, I will cut through the nonsense and get to the point. And yes. whatever gets sliced and diced in the process, not my problem. And so I was stuck in this cycle of like being indecisive. Mm-hmm. And then my guides being like, you know, full well. <laughs> <laughs> and then my queen of swords coming in and being like, so do it. Like, you know, so do it. Similarly, like coming back to like beauty where, you know, there will be moments where I'm like, ooh, like, I don't know if I'm ready for this meeting or I don't know if I'm ready for this thing. And then I will have a moment where I'll like be standing at my closet and like an outfit will just visually in my head come to me. And I feel like it's very much that queen of swords moment of like, no, you do know. Mm-hmm. And if you need a reminder, here's a visual reminder for you that you can adorn yourself with. Yeah. So into the space so that when you're moving through the space, when you're doing whatever it is that you're supposed to be doing, you remember you are that bitch. Yes. And this reminds me of like a couple of things. Like one, you know, as, as queer folks, as marginalized folks, when we're going into these spaces and conversations, like the particular example I just referenced was talking to a cis white lady, which is already like, oh, the odds are not in my favor because this bitch is going to cry <laughs> as soon as I start talking. <laughs> All right, pause. I'm rewatching Ayanla Fix My Life. And there was an episode where she's like working with this couple and this white lady starts crying. And Ayanla goes, your response in this moment is to cry. Make a different choice. I love her. <laughs> I am internalizing that. Our, our beauty and our adornment is is a way for us to like show the world how much power we have in the moment and to remind ourselves too because we look at ourselves we look at our reflection we're like damn no like I am built for this like I am right I look great it's gonna be okay I can have these conversations and it's going to be okay because I look fucking amazing and it also reminds Mm -hmm. me my abuela always like would not leave the house would not leave the house didn't matter if it was the grocery store, the pharmacy, a doctor's appointment without all of her gold jewelry on, a monochromatic outfit, bright colors only, jewel tones, oh, yes. <laughs> like down to the socks, the heels, the purse, the lipstick. And I remember asking her like, why? And she was like, because the world treats me better. And I was like, oh. <laughs> My mom growing up had what we in the family called a go-to meeting suit. And because this was the 90s, it was mustard yellow. It was a, a mat, it was a jacket and skirt, like pencil skirt. Yes. Um, and the skirt was just solid mustard yellow. The the top part of it though was short sleeves. Mustard yellow with these giant white triangle buttons. There were like three of them that went down the front. And then the edges of the sleeves and the bottom of it, and it had that like scalloped uh, or that rounded edge, but it had white and mustard yellow piping going down the edges. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And and she'd wear them with a pair of pumps, with uh, pantyhose, hoops like and a full face and her best wig and the thing is is if my mom had that suit on someone was in trouble (laughs) because she only wore it when she like i saw it most often when she had to go up to the school to talk to them about her child me Um, sometimes my brother but a lot with me i love moms that are truly ride or dies because my mom would get up there gaslight the school into being like why aren't you giving her more work to do then like why aren't you (laughs) occupying her wait till we got in the car and be like serena we've talked about this like (laughs) rein it in um and that's the kind of support i love (laughs) but to your point though like this was 
the suit that she put on when she knew she needed to be heard, respected. She needed to come across as the authority that she knew she was. But a plus size black woman, single mom knew the respect she was not going to get. And she said, don't worry, I got something for you. Put my armor on. Queen of swords. <laughs> but like, you know, thinking about my mom and your abuela and like the, the folks around us that have helped shape what we think about beauty. I'm curious, how has your definition of beauty changed over time? Wildly, um, wildly. So my mom has a sister who is married to a man who I suppose is my uncle. (laughs) Not I suppose. No blood relation. (laughs) A lot of what I came to understand beauty to be came from them. Like they didn't have kids. So we spent a lot of time visiting them and they would give us all of these gifts and they drove really nice cars. And I didn't realize it until recently when I was reflecting on it, but I internalized so much of what I heard from them about like, like my aunt, she's never going to hear this. Like my aunt has been dyeing her hair blonde since she started dating him in the seventies, sixties, seventies. She used to have this big, beautiful brown bouffant. She went to like oh. Roosevelt high school. She called herself the queen of the beans. Cause we're oh. Mexican on that side of the family. And then she started dating this man and like all of that changed. And I used to think that like being blonde made me beautiful, like not going out in the sun made me more beautiful. Um, I used to wish that I had blue eyes or green eyes and that would make me beautiful. I, I had rhinoplasty for, that was like my high school graduation present because I had a very pronounced bridge and it could have been from either side of my family to be aged. Like my mom's dad is Romani Italian and had a very, like very dark skin and very pronounced nose. And my abuelo had has a very indigenous nose and my mom's mom has a very Jewish nose. She also had rhinoplasty to, to fit in. And then she started uh-huh. dyeing her hair blonde. And uh-huh. in high school, I was so tired. I was a fucking loser. Let's be real. I was a nerd. And I asked my mom if I could get highlights. And I remember the next fucking day I had more friends at school the next day. And so I just kept going more and more blonder, blonder, less sun, less getting that fucking translucent vampire with white hair. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I'm stunning. Like, no, you look like a ghost. (laughs) Ooh, this is working. This is working. And like the insanity of this world, it did. It did. I had more friends. People were nicer to me. People stopped following me around stores. Like people would do whatever I asked. (laughs) Like what a privilege to be able to go from one space to another like so easily. But like that was very much what I had equated beauty to this very Eurocentric standard for so long, which is also weird because I think my mom's like the most beautiful person ever. And like, she has big curly dark hair and she's voluptuous lady. And she's always had very olive skin and she's got the nose that I got rid of. And I'm like, damn, like she looks like Venus to me, but like, I wasn't okay with myself. Like I didn't, I didn't eat food because I didn't want to not have a thigh gap because of Tumblr. It was just so fucked up. <laughs> you were on Tumblr in the early aughts. You might be due compensation. Right? Like we all have EDs. We are all in ED. Yes. Hopefully recovery by now. Early aughts Tumblr, it you could get it was a double-edged sword because it was both your queer awakening and <laughs> your eating disorder ramping up. Just the intersection. <laughs> But I suppose the way my definition of beauty has changed is like people who desire to be happy with themselves are beautiful. Like we can't always be happy with who we are all of the time. Like being in a constant state of anything is not possible for humans. We are constantly ebbing and flowing, but that desire to love ourselves and to genuinely express that love of ourselves, the ways we show up in the world, like that is beauty to me. And that's what I'm hoping to like pass on to my kiddos with the way I let them wear whatever the fuck they want and like cut their hair however they, I don't care. Caitlin's kids are the most stylish 
humans, not just kids, stylish humans <laughs> I have ever come across. Like Kate will send like morning school photos. So it's like a Tuesday <laughs> to our chat and like their kids are just styling, profiling, and I'm like busted in my satin bonnet and old sweats. Like, <laughs> wow. So it is possible to look put together. Got it. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> just comes naturally to them. <laughs> Like the outfits they're putting together. The last time I was in LA, I went over to Kate's and we played Pretty Pretty Princess. And then we did fashion show. And <laughs> <laughs> both of Kate's kids were like, these are my wigs. These are the costumes. <laughs> this is the look we're going to put together. They had makeup boxes. Your oldest was like, this is how you actually lay your eyebrows correctly so that you can draw them in better. And I was like, taking notes. <laughs> Oh, the glue stick. Okay, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> we we watch a lot of drag queens on YouTube. <laughs> like, they are thriving, okay? <laughs> they're so cool. I <laughs> I think they're so cool. They are. <laughs> and to and, your point, right, of how do we change these narratives? Even if you don't have kids, if you're coming in contact with kids, just coming in contact with other people in your life and adjusting, what do I want to hold on to? What do I want to let go of? Like, my mom and I look identical. We have been confused many times. And I remember growing up, my mom having so much negative to say about her own body and the way that mm. she looked. And then me immediately internalizing that because I was like, well, if everybody thinks we look the same and you think you look awful, then I must look awful. That's the only A plus B equals C. Yeah. And what I remember when I was going through treatment from my eating disorder, shout out Tumblr, uh, <laughs> I like, you know, of course, had to do a lot of work around negative self-talk and how I engaged with, with the mirror and images of myself. And I remember having a conversation with my mom and just having to be like, I can't tell you how to think about yourself, but every time you put yourself down, it's putting me down. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm trying to work really hard right now. Oh my God, I'm getting like teary. I wasn't prepared for this. And this is my show. Um, but it's like, I'm trying to work really hard right now to change how I see myself. And I see so much of myself in you. And I and that's what I love. But every time I hear you say you have to lose weight or you can't wear this or you can't do that, I hear that I'm bad and that I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. And it was really hard to say. And it was really hard for her to hear. But she genuinely, I know that she genuinely took it in because I know how different she talks about herself now and yeah. how different she approaches her her physical self. And oh my God. No. <laughs> the two crybabies got on. <laughs> Fun fact about me and Kate is we just send each other TikToks to cry. <laughs> but but truly it was. It was this really pivotal moment where I was just like, I, I have gotten through enough recovery that I can recognize how messaging around me has impacted the way that I see myself. Yeah. And also, I know how much I love my mom and how much my mom loves me. Yeah. And, and so that means we have to do something different because I don't want us to be in a position where I have to pick my recovery over her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I've been reflecting a lot lately like my mom was never ever ever hard on us about our appearances but she was so hard on herself like my mom's a big lady and like she's she's a babe <laughs> I think she's so fucking beautiful and um she was so hard. And like the nineties were fucked up. Like I've been watching the nanny and I love the nanny, but like every joke is a fucking fat joke on that yeah. show. Yeah. And like my mom was so hard on herself all of the time. And like the only time she was nice to herself when all of the moms in the nineties were on speed for a little while, but just like constantly <laughs> trying diets. And then she would always say, I'm so glad that you kids don't have this problem. And I realized like, oh, I better not like set myself up for that same suffering. And I realized that a lot of that I internalized. And I remember going to like a nutritionist. My mom took me to all these specialists because they didn't know why I wasn't eating food. <laughs> and 
Like the, the um, nutritionist was like, do you think you're fat? And I was like, no, but like, you're asking me the wrong questions. I'm literally yeah. seven. And like, maybe you should ask me like, what's going on? Yeah. Like what, like, and like, also again, it came back to nutrition, healthy equals skinny, which is like not reality. It's not based in reality. Like all bodies are different and like delicious in their own ways. What is health for one is not health for another. And, mm-hmm. and how people get to whatever, however they're going to define health is so wildly different that when we put these big broccoli equals healthy like it's like well not true (laughs) that is just not true or realistic or practical it's just not right like just like eat so that you feel full and nourished what makes you feel happy what makes you feel good at different points in the day and at different points in the month you're going to need different things to help you feel like you have what you need i'm really i struggle with this a little bit with the kids because at school they really push the like eat healthy do healthy things and so lola will say stuff like this is healthy this is not healthy and i'm like no like mm. <laughs> like sometimes the healthiest thing you can do is get the fucking froyo and the nuggies from McDonald's and like like feed your inner child exactly what they need in that moment and like sometimes you're like fuck I just want to inhale a bunch of kale and it's like sometimes I just need to eat a f- rice and like fried eggs and fried fucking plantains for 7 days straight <laughs> yes. and and the way that like our cultural foods have been demonized oh yeah made unhealthy or here's a healthy fried chicken i don't want your stupid fake fried chicken if i want, I fried, want. Chicken, I want fried chicken oh exactly if i if i want plantains i want plantains i don't want whatever this weird fried and oil <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, like I, I want the full experience and speaking of TV from the 90s, like emotional eating was so demonized. Oh, yeah. Was made to be exclusively a woman's problem. Yeah. And almost always was connected to, well, she just needs a man or she just needs to do something to better herself. Yeah. And then she doesn't want to emotionally eat anymore. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, one, emotional eating is a form of self-soothing. And again, you know, we were talking about like addictive personalities, right? Like you can check in with yourself and say, am I using this as a tool to avoid something? Or am I using this as a tool to comfort myself? Because those are two different outcomes. Yes. Both can be valid and true. And both can ask us to, to check in and look in. But there's nothing wrong with eating when you're happy, when you're sad, when you're angry, when you're tired, whatever it is. Right. Because the fact of the matter is, is just fucking eat. <laughs> just eat. <laughs> like, just eat if you're just hungry. Happy eat. to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, okay, when a baby cries, what do we do? We stick the boob or the bottle in their mouth. And then as soon as you're not an infant anymore, it's like, don't do that. It's like, but you taught me this. Right. I have been conditioned <laughs> that if I'm crying, I need a food. Start with food. <laughs> you know what? But I definitely need a food. <laughs> right. What? Often for me, at least, it's exactly what I need. If I'm super emotional, I sit down and I'm like, okay, maybe I need to eat something. And then I do. And then my tummy feels better. And then my brain feels less cloudy. And I'm suddenly less angry and emotional. I'm not hearing an issue other than the patriarchy and white supremacy not wanting me to be happy. Because before I would just smoke cigarettes or like do a bunch of drugs. <laughs> do you want me to go back to like smoking and drinking iced coffee, like in between like drugs and alcohol? Constant iced coffee, constant, like four shots. I used to get like four shots of espresso with like six months <laughs> of hazelnut. It was sick. <laughs> it was tr- like the fact that my heart didn't stop. Like it tr- it was like, can I get the largest iced coffee? Can I get almond milk because this was the almond milk days before the oh <laughs> can I get four shots of espresso and then I'm going to slam this with a cigarette and a luna bar yes and here's the thing guys that was not healthy that <laughs> was not healthy 
<laughs> and now every morning I eat my thick and fluffy waffles from the freezer with some Greek yogurt and some berries and some maple syrup. Maybe I make tea. I've got my water. And that is very healthy and very satisfying. <laughs> yes. And it sets me up to like not feel because like those voices are always going to be in my head. Right. But it sets me up to feel less bad when I eat the rest of the day too. Somehow like eating breakfast makes all the other food. Okay. It truly is the most important meal of the day. <laughs> I, <laughs> no I joke. <laughs> mean that because if I do not have breakfast, my day is wrecked. Yes. Like I'm going to be a mess everything is going to be difficult. Life will be hard. Mm-hmm. If I, even if I don't get like my full regular breakfast, as long as I get a breakfast, I can function. Life is possible. <laughs> yes. And truly like the way that I think about myself, the way that I approach things, like all becomes different because I started by nourishing and taking care of myself rather than ignoring my needs. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so like thinking about that, and we've already thrown out the patriarchy and white supremacy. So, you know, you can pile on. Um, what makes you question your beauty? Honestly, um, TikTok. <laughs> I mean, that's real. Talk about a double-edged sword. <laughs> like constantly being bombarded with more stuff that I need, like seeing lots of really young faces, like all of that makes me wonder, like, should I put Botox in the middle of my forehead? Like, should I do that? And like, look, there's, Sarita said it at the beginning, like doing cosmetic procedures from a place that like genuinely makes you feel like you are expressing yourself more wholly is cool. Like, People have gender affirming surgeries all the time. Love that for you. People have all sorts of affirming procedures done. But um, I think that sometimes it gets in my head and I start to think like, oh, like, do I need that? Is, you know, it just, I don't know. There's something about the constant scrolling and targeted advertising that makes me think like, I need to make sure all of the spots on my face are an even tone. I need to like, like just... Stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop. Like everyone's got the product missing from your routine. Yes. I don't need any more stuff. I don't need any more I stuff. And the that. truth is, you know, I I had rhinoplasty when I was 18 or 19. I can't remember if it was the summer right after high school or the summer following. And it came from a place of deeply rooted like insecurity. Like I am fucking ugly. I am tired of being made fun of. I just want to fit in. Mm. And as grateful as I have been for the way changing my face made me confident, like I also, especially in this like chapter of my life, I'm very mournful for my face. Yeah. Like I lord my face. Sometimes I stare in the mirror and I'm like, is it growing back? <laughs> like yeah. wishfully hoping it's growing back. And I, I look at my oldest who has my real nose and I'm like, I can't believe that I ever thought like that was ugly. Like I look at them and I see them and they're so beautiful. He's so beautiful to me. And I don't ever want him to feel like there's something wrong with his face because the world around him is telling him there's something wrong with his face. And, um, I forgot the question. <laughs> I think you did great. You answered, you did perfect. It's so interesting hearing you talk about how your relationship specifically with your nose and having gotten rhinoplasty done, how that has shifted over time mm-hmm. and like the understanding of it. And, you know, we work to show our past selves compassion and grace. They were doing the best mm-hmm. they could with what was available. Mm-hmm. And then what I really, what really stuck with me was when you said that you grieve like your past face. Mm-hmm. And I, I've had a similar response when I see like especially when I see photos of myself in high school and like freshman sophomore year of college um and I look at myself and I'm like how could I have ever thought that that body was hideous how could I have ever thought that that body 
wasn't beautiful. And and then I see photos of myself beyond that when I was in, getting into my disordering and deep in my disorder. Mm-hmm. And And what's funny is even in those moments when I was deep in my disorder, when I was at my lowest weight, I still thought that I was hideous. Like I still, and it's, and it's that thing that you said of like wanting to fit in. I still didn't feel like I felt in. I still didn't feel like I belonged. I still was carrying so much grief and trauma that in hindsight, there was no version of me that I was ever going to find beautiful. Yeah. There was no way for me to have known that in the moment. Mm -hmm. And, and I've made peace with that. And, but it's, it's, it is that thing of, of looking at past versions of myself and thinking, thinking about the thoughts that I had at that time and just being like, mm-hmm. how, why, how, and, and again, like try being compassionate and not beating myself up for it and lots of, lots of gratitude for where I am now and, mm. and, and the progress that I've made when it comes to my relationship with my body. And, and again, that thing though of, Oh, like there's always this piece of me that is like, oh, well, if I hadn't done this, would I still have that? Would that still be who I am physically? If I hadn't tried that, would that still be my body? And then getting in this space of, well, I'll never know. (laughs) So I can move on or I can ruminate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm good at that. But but having to, yeah, ultimately what it is, is grieve for all the things that could have been had mm-hmm. I made different choices, had different understanding of the world, all of the things, and then finding gratitude and peace in what's, who's in front of me now. Yes, absolutely. Thinking about how you are responsible for two humans, two small, wonderful humans. Um, you have you know, a partner that is bringing their understandings and conceptions of, of beauty into, into the relationship, into the family. I would just, if you, I would just love to hear like how you sort of balance and navigate all of that, both in showing up for them and showing up for yourself. Um, I would say that I am very blessed, (laughs) extremely, extremely blessed. I think that especially when it comes to, well, of course my children, but also in my partnership, I, I had a lot of insecurities going into this partnership because that's, that's just the way it is. (laughs) You know, my, my partner was always like the odd person out as well and got made fun of a lot for the way that he chose to adorn his body while going to like a Catholic all boys school with a lot of like, I wouldn't say machismo because they were all white, (laughs) whatever their version of that is. Toxic masculinity. (laughs) Is this what we call toxic masculinity? (laughs) But like, I really, something that I adore so much about Brian is that like, like he's all about expressing yourself the way you desire to be seen. And that's what really made me kind of into him at first. He would wear all these fucking wild clothes. He was really into (laughs) Jeremy Scott in the early two thousands. And so he would, (laughs) if you were in LA, you knew. (laughs) Yeah. 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 He, He like opened the first few American apparels around Los Angeles. So he would wear wacky shit, like LeMay tights and like leopard print track suits and shoes with wings on them. And people were like, this dude's fucking nuts. And I was like, yeah. Did also say Brian's 6'1", 6'2". Brian's 6'4". <laughs> and covered from head to toe in tattoos. When I say I love your family so much, I truly, truly mean it because like talk about iconic. We are a look. (laughs) (laughs) But like I've never had to deal with, you know, that side of TikTok where like people complain about things their husbands do. Like I could never relate to that. Like Mm -hmm. I could, I didn't fit in with the mom groups because the mom groups were very much like everyone commiserating about like their husbands not being supportive of either them, their changing bodies, their kids. And like, I have been so blessed to experience the opposite of that. Like as 
you know, these last couple of years, I've started like actually gaining weight and looking like a not emaciated person. And at first I was like panicking and Brian's like, let me buy you pants. <laughs> oh, sweet man. <laughs> and showtime and it's not hard to navigate in my life and that's a fucking blessing it is a blessing that it's not hard to navigate because we're all on the same page of like being our full weird selves and it's really special and like it's what love like it's what I want everyone to have in partnership (laughs) You yeah. know, when I think of my friends and it's, it's you and Bronche, <laughs> when I think of all two of my friends <laughs> and we're happy to be here, <laughs> you know, it's, that is, and even like my clients who are, who are looking for partnership and love in that way. Like I want them to find something like this, somebody who embraces not only them as they are, but who we change into as we go through the many different rebirths that come with being a human being, especially human beings in long-term partnerships, committed partnerships. Like you're never going to be the same person you were at the beginning of it. And to have somebody who's like excited for changes with you, like that is priceless. (laughs) Yeah. Anytime anyone's asked me, you know, like, how did I know Michael, my husband? husband like how did I know that he was the one like it was a hard question to answer because I didn't know how to describe like I just I just knew like it just felt right and 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 having reflected on it more what I ultimately realized was I found someone that was excited to grow with me and wasn't intimidated by it, wasn't afraid of it. Yeah. Truly though, uh, but physically, emotionally, mentally, all the things, like he, he enjoyed that and wanted to do it for himself as well. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I was like, oh, that was the separating thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. That's what makes it different than like all the times before is like somebody who doesn't see you as this like static character in their world. And like, heaven forbid, if I like falter or sway or change in any way, because then I'm not lovable or beautiful anymore. And to be in a family, a partnership where like our personal evolutions are encouraged and supported is just like, it's, it's magic. (laughs) So talking about you know, the, the people that support you and the people that, you know, hold you up, uh, who or what makes you feel beautiful? Mm. I was reflecting this morning on like gratitude and last night, gratitude for the relationships that I have now, like, um, not only my partner and my children who affirm me all the time. And when my children affirm me, it feels extra special. Cause I'm like, Oh, like that's them reflecting back at me what I pour into them. So I'm like, ah, yes, I'm doing a good thing. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> like I have real friends in my life now, you know, I've gone through lots and lots of friendship cycles that have all had this common factor of like, I feel insecure in myself, not so different from the romantic relationships that I was in, but like, I have friends now who make me feel beautiful and uplift me. And I feel so lucky. (laughs) I feel so blessed. (laughs) Yeah. Ah. (laughs) I call this table the crying table. (laughs) because we can't sit here without crying but honestly you know like Sarita like I have to acknowledge that like the friendships that I have now are only with like black and brown women and that has to absolutely like play a role in it too um that like self-affirmation I saw this TikTok the other day that this like Latin a girl posted about how there was like a there used there was a few months ago like a black women following black women train and then somebody tried to do like latin a women following latin a women train and she was like absolutely not and i'll tell you why <laughs> she's like because latin a women have never made me feel beautiful or love myself or love my hair or love my skin i learned that from the labor of black women and like that's like if you are lucky enough to have black women love you like don't fuck it up <laughs> 
don't take that for granted. Getting a compliment from a black woman is truly unmatched. When you know you look good. Like even a complete stranger. Like you fully are like, oh, so I'm really in it. <laughs> truly. Yes. I've said before, like, if a black woman like says, like, girl, to me, I'm like, I don't my non-binary i don't care like i (laughs) that is i receive (laughs) yes yes the energy i know thank you i'm here for it thank you (laughs) yes oh my god yes deeply relatable though on the friendships and like the the company that you keep right Mm -hmm. like i i've been through many an emotional support white woman friendship um that ultimately was toxic mm-hmm. because whether they were able to relate to my struggle or not there wasn't a desire to put down their privilege to actually be there for me mm-hmm. and there are a couple white women in my life now that are absolutely near and dear and true to me mm-hmm. but it's been like those are relationships that have been cultivated for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's because exactly what you said of like, there wasn't always safety in those relationships. Mm-hmm. And even in my, in my friendships with, with black and brown women, there's been a lot to navigate because we've been conditioned to believe there can only be one of us or mm-hmm. that we all have to present a certain way in order to be accepted And, you know, that's taken time to unpack and unlearn and work on relearning. And I have to catch myself sometimes still, but it absolutely is the relationships where, again, even like I was talking about with my husband, where we are committed to growth and we are committed to understanding and we are committed to lifting each other up first and foremost. And... I think that is the only way to lay that foundation. And look, no one's perfect. Life happens. Your friends are going to hurt your feelings. Your friends are going to, are going to do something that bothers you or upsets you. Like it isn't, and you're going to do the same thing to Mm -hmm. them. What truly matters is how are, are we able to come back from it and how do we do it? And, and, you know, is there accountability? And again, is it coming from this place of, I want us to keep growing together. And so here's how we move forward together. Um, and this is how life shifts and changes around that. And I, th- and what you were saying about your kids of how, you know, that's them reflecting back at you. I, again, I think that's true for all of our relationships to varying degrees, right? And to to different, it has different meaning, obviously. But if, you know, you're spending time with people and constantly leaving or even in the moment feeling icky, mm-hmm. those aren't actually your people. Mm-hmm. And, and anxiety will tell us that we're the problem and society, especially for those of us living in marginalized bodies, will tell us that we're the problem. But like your friends should always fill your cup. Yes. And you filling theirs, right? Like we all have different capacities and we can't always do it all the time, whatever. But like when we decide that we are going to be in community with each other, mm-hmm. it is so that we can all pour into each other and reflect back the good that we are pouring in, right? Mm-hmm. And so when that's not happening, that's usually a good sign that at the very least a conversation needs to be had. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, lessons of my youth, you don't have to cut everyone off immediately. <laughs> <laughs> you can talk about it, I guess. <laughs> but, and also, right, like we we believe people when they tell us who they are. And if someone doesn't make me feel beautiful and if they make me feel neutral, fine. But if someone is making me feel not beautiful, not good, not valued, they mm-hmm. are not a good person for me. Yes. Or no somebody's way. making it feel like a competition. That's not friendship. <laughs> oh, run. Run. <laughs> That's the beginning of a cult or like a single white female situation. There's a deep sense of knowing <laughs> from that comment. <laughs> they look knowingly. <laughs> 
Well, Caitlin, thank you so incredibly much for coming on and for talking and just being so open and amazing. And I love you. I love um, you. <laughs> please let the people know what you're up to, how they can see all the wonderful things that you do. Well, you can find me at www.motherofmystics.com or on Instagram at caitlin.grana. On TikTok, I'm cry now underscore cry later. <laughs> and at the moment, my books are closed, but the waitlist is open for fall appointments. I am in the process of launching a new Oracle deck called Offerings Oracle. And it's was channeled with the intention to deepen intimacy in our relationship with our good spirits and our altars. And that's what I'm up to right now. Oh, you can also listen to my podcast, LOL. Okay, I have a podcast with my partner, Laura Wong of Lady Moon Co., who I also met at the same event that I met Sarita at, who is at the exact same booth just on a different day that Sarita was at. There's something really magical about that place. The rumor on my maternal grandmother's side is that we're descendants of El Cid. And like, that's where we were, the El Cid. So I'm like, ooh, is that like I some sort of ancestral magic? Anyway, I... the podcast is called Third Eye Bind. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. oh, amazing. Thank you. Thank you again. Um, you, you can find me, your host, Sarita at Sarita Fonta, S-E-R-I-T-A-F-O-N-T-A on all the platforms. And you can find the podcast at Not Ugly Pod again on all the platforms on the thing. However you want to chat, we'll be there. <laughs> um, and thank you, Caitlin. And thanks for listening, y'all. Thank you. <laughs> that was the end. Go tell a friend to listen to the Not Ugly Pod. Look, I'm still not a rapper. <laughs> <laughs>